Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. All right, everyone. Welcome to Middle Class to Millionaires. It's been a couple months. We were taking a nice hiatus. Is that how you say it? Hiatus? Uh, I think so. We'll go with that. All right. Yeah. Hiatus. Nice, nice hiatus. Uh, and really focusing in on growth during this uh, interesting year. We've been slacking a little bit. Let's just be real. Yeah, that's true. We've been slacking on it, but uh, picking it back up. And um, so we'll get right into it. Today's mm-hmm. podcast episode will probably be more so just um, an update on what we've been doing in these past few months as well as uh, just kind of some general uh, topics. We'll cover a book we've both been reading. Which is on there. A little bit more than general. It's, it's on mindset, uh, which obviously we've talked about in the first two episodes and briefly on maybe a couple others. But this is a book that Christian actually found and then recommended I start reading slash listening to. And um, holy cow. I think you just told me, what's today? Tuesday? Mm-hmm. You told me about this book, maybe Sunday, Saturday or Sunday? I think it's so. A, it's a 14-hour listen on Audible, and I only have two hours left. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a good, it's a great book, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll get into that, I guess, in a minute. You want to kind of give an update on what's going on in your world, and then I'll, I'll go on mine. Uh, sure. I mean, um, well, you know, we're still flipping houses. I, I think, uh, in the past couple months, we've between, uh, you and I, um, had our, is it the third, the, the, we're on the third project, right? Uh, business partners with our other one in California. Yeah. Uh, I believe we're on numero two. Cause we had Calmont. Oh, so technically three. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I forgot about uh, that. really kind of an anomaly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we could talk a little bit about that one too if you want. But um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, three since really since COVID kind of in the beginning we took a a, a pause for about I think a month or two as far as buying houses. I Man, it's about two months, you know, because our business partner yeah. was in California and he was yeah. Just, not wanting to put money here until he saw that you know things were opening back up thank god we live in texas yeah so that was like uh i think in march was it in april we took the break and then may june picked back up i think right yeah basically so when we brought you on as our third business partner in this endeavor i think it was late march like right when this whole thing started so Mm -hmm. um steve and i hadn't we had sold off our last two that we had, I think in early March. And then the pandemic happened in mid-March. Nothing happened in April. And I think at the end of May is when we bought, um, started to buy Calmont, which mm-hmm. is a house in Fort Worth that our friends are actually buying from us. And then we bought Roberts um, and then NRH just a couple weeks ago. And then we were still, still trucking along with Airbnbs. I'm not sure where we left off on our last episode, but our Airbnbs only really, we only had one property really suffer. And it was in April with um, the one in downtown Fort Worth. Other than that, our 
Airbnbs. I mean, you, I mean, you, I think you had a little stint with the two that you have as far as trying to find some uh, long-term guests, but for the most part, I think that was the only one that actually lost money. Yeah. And uh, mine never lost money. Uh, I just transitioned over to long-term. Um, so I didn't want to uh, deal with trying to, trying to get people in. So I moved over to long-term for about two to three months and then opened back up. And uh, since then my calendar has been full as a business owner, no matter what business you're in or, um, you know, or what market condition it, you're in, you have to find ways to adapt and overcome if you want to be in business. It's just part of the game. And um, the better you can be at finding solutions, the more successful you'll be as a business owner. Yep, which is what we did, you know. Um, again, since it's been so long, I don't remember where we left off, um, but the, the one in downtown Fort Worth where we actually lost money technically lost money. I mean, our shared property in Grapevine made up for what we lost in Fort Worth, so we didn't really lose money through wash, but um, that one, we did everything we could to fill it. It was just right when everything was happening and things were shutting down, and this property just so happened to be in a party area where really only people come to, to see downtown Fort Worth, and with everything shut down, no one was coming, so, but then in back yeah. in the day, when everything started opening back up, I mean, we've been booked solid at that place. I don't think we've had any. Well, we had a long-term guy yeah. stay there for the past, I think, month and a half. But yeah, forty-five days for that guy. Yeah. Yeah, at the beginning, with everything, it, with every business, it it was just um, on on. Didn't really know what was going to happen, so people were nervous, and no one was doing anything. But as uh, time progressed, uh, travelers were still traveling. And uh, this is a, a reason why I have stressed to pick a property where it's not just a vacation spot because, you know, the beachgoers uh, definitely weren't going anywhere. Um, we're in a spot where businesses is still operating. There are businesses that were still operating that we still needed to fill spots and that, that was a solution there. So, you know, whether it's nurses, um, people dealing directly with what was going on in the world. They still needed a place to stay if they came into the DFW area. A lot of my guests in our, mine and my wife's properties were just people who, a lot of them were local. They were just trying to get away from their house or just see family. So yeah, uh, we did see a lot of professionals still doing their thing as far as traveling, but I, I saw a lot of reservations at the beginning that were, like I said, just people wanting to see their family or get out of their house, which is cool. Yeah. It kept us booked. Yeah, and uh, and other for other markets um, like rural areas, people were they saw like a huge explosion in their um, bookings and and whatnot because people were trying to leave the city and go into rural areas. Uh, so that's interesting as well. Yeah. So um, as far as us, me and my wife, uh, an update on us. We. Um, we uh, had a rental property that we were selling, uh, turned it into an Airbnb for just a month or two while we were waiting for it to sell. Got a long-term booking during this whole thing. Awesome dude and his family stayed there. I think we made like $3,000 on uh, a one-month booking and our mortgage on that place was only like 
a thousand and twelve bucks or something. So basically, just paid the mortgage while we were selling it, and then paid for some other little things we had to do to the house before we sold it. Uh, anyway, so we had between the two of us, we had eight Airbnbs. Now we're down to seven since I sold one. We, you and I, had for people who don't know, had a plan to make twenty twenty a crazy year and scale to like. 20 something units and then this whole thing happened so we haven't started any new ones since this whole thing happened but we're still at seven between the two of us and we started this whole thing in November of last year so I think that's still pretty phenomenal so then I had a business partner that I was flipping houses with last year yeah so we decided to bring you on so we could flip more houses um, and then like you said we've done three three flips together. First one we did for our business partner, he decided to keep it as a rental, which we all agreed to as far as a payout. That one went good. That was, I think, the longest rehab. Small house, took two months. Normally we can knock it down three or four weeks. Then we bought this house in Fort Worth. It took forever to close because of the title issue. Turned out to be okay because some friends of ours from our church were buying it from us. And then we just started one in North Richland Hills right down the street from both of us that will be done Sunday. I guess since our hiatus, we decided to launch a course or to build a course on Airbnb. Um, we had the idea to take the knowledge that we've learned in just a short 10 months. I mean, when we started the course, I was actually, we had only been doing it for about nine months, except eight months. Decided to take our knowledge between the two of us from our experiences at Airbnb and create a course. And it officially launched yesterday. So a uh, shameless plug. If you're listening right now and you <laughs> want to get in Airbnb and you want to kind of do what we're doing or what a bunch of other hosts are doing around the world, I think there's 600,000 hosts around the world. We launched a course called the Best Ever B&B Course. You can go to bestevernb.com and you can sign up right now. It's only $497 for now. Once it starts booming, we are going to raise the prices. So if you're interested, I think now would be the time to get in at, a, I think, a pretty affordable cost. I mean, $500 you can make back, what, one week, two weeks on Airbnb? I mean, it's insane. You kind of want to touch on some things that we talk about in the course and I'll kind of pick up? Yeah, for sure. So uh, uh, we, we, we spent, I don't even know, probably 20, 30 hours create, trying to create this course, making sure we got as detailed as possible. Uh, and really, it's really like an A to Z um, guideline now me personally i've never always i've never been into buying expensive courses but this one is for one it's affordable you're going to make it back that's the biggest thing um is you know within our experience we've seen i think on one month we had between two properties eight eight thousand gross or eighty two hundred gross eighty one forty and yeah and and so for a course that can get you Exactly that. Five hundred dollars is a drop in the bucket. This course um, covers how to choose the right property, uh, market analytics, uh, different strategies like arbitrage or buying a house to put on Airbnb or just renting from a regular uh, single-family landlord. Uh, we talk about how to calculate or guesstimate your profit. Different resources out there to help you manage the Airbnb and, you know, even stuff from design uh, and how to pick your audience of who is going to stay in the Airbnb. Um, so we cover, we're, we, we get really detailed 
and it's all there in one place. I mean, I know whenever I first got into Airbnb, um, I probably spent many hours trying to find and piece together everything, all my knowledge that I know. But with this course, it's all in one place. Uh, it's four modules, I believe, right? Yeah, four. Mm -hmm. And uh, it covers A to Z, like we said. The only thing is that's required is that you take action. Uh, can't stress that enough. Yeah, it's uh, four modules. It's probably maybe a four or five hour course, which is really not that long. I mean, I, I feel like maybe it could have been longer, but I feel like even with what we did, I mean, we go into so much detail on how to launch your own business in Airbnb that it's like, I think $497 is cheap. I was one of those punks that got screwed over by a guru program and spent $20,000. And I was just listening to it in this book that we're going to talk about in a minute. And he talks about these gurus and man, I got suckered in. So for $497, shoot, I wish, I wish I would have only paid that much three and a half years ago when I got into this game as far as real estate. But uh, yeah, I mean, this course, like, like you said, it I mean, in our headline, it literally walks you through A to Z. We go over the history of Airbnb, all the stuff that Christian said. And then at the very end, I have two videos where I conclude it. Uh, we help you set up your own account, tell you everything that you need to know as far as setting up your account. And then at the very end, it's on how to create your listing, how to do all the things right that a lot of people don't, hosts don't do. I mean, even the mistakes that we made. I mean, we had, we were, I think between the two of us, three or four properties already in. And then I was setting up our Grapevine B&B. And I mistakenly just launched it and thought, okay, here we go. Not remembering that there's some things you have to do as soon as you launch that you need to change that Airbnb doesn't tell you about. And so it can, you can lose some money. And we lost eh, maybe a couple hundred dollars, not maybe a couple hundred, probably about $150 on some bookings that we could have easily made some money on. Just the quick thing is just, it was a cleaning fee. As soon as you launch, you've got to go in there and change your cleaning fee because they have it at zero. And I forgot to do that. And so we lost a hundred something dollars. We had to pay it out of pocket. So we tell you, I mean, all the mistakes that we've made. So you, you can, for, that's so crazy. I'm not trying to sell it like a salesman. For $497, you literally get to hear all of our mistakes that we've made. And you can just go. You don't have to, you don't have to make the mistakes we made. The $20,000 mistake I made three and a half years ago by paying some guru. Anyway, I think it's a great course. Um, as soon as this thing gets going, we're going to create another course on how to automate your business which is really the bread and butter of what we do. I mean, I think we've talked about, we spend what, less than five to seven hours a week-ish on Airbnb? Just depends on what's going on, but probably a couple hours, uh, a couple hours a week, um, yeah. which is really nothing compared to the income that it brings in, you know? Even though we, we had some, I think both had some hiccups last week, we complained about the what two or three extra hours we had to put in but when you look at the numbers like you said it's like okay we're we're complaining about two extra hours when we're making and this the number that you said earlier eighty one hundred dollars that was during june at not the, i guess not the height of the the pandemic quote unquote but still in it and we were still crushing it so i'm i guess i'll shut up i sound like a salesman <laughs> but wait there's more <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For three payments of $19.99. <laughs> no, but we do include some bonus content such as a, a checkoff list when setting up. We include our Amazon uh, uh, furnishings list. Um, what else do we have in there? We have our house manual. So 
uh, a, a detailed house, house manual is uh, imperative. Um, it has, it saved us uh, so much time because we even have on there that the first thing is as a guest that you will read through the house manual before contacting us with questions. Cause a lot of times guests, their first question will be what's the Wi-Fi or um, what's the address or what's this and what's that. It is all in the house manual and a super detailed, it's super detailed. It's like, it's like five or six pages. How do I get there? How do I park? Where do I park? Yeah. Having that detailed manual there um, has really just reduce the time that we get to spend talking to guests on these simple questions that, that, that can be found within the manual. So mm -hmm. tons of good content that we include in the course to help you be successful. Yeah. And once we get into this automation course, I mean, there's going to be things that are literally going to take uh, you from, if you're not automating your business, it's going to take you from 10 to 15, 20 hours a week from what I've read research that some hosts spend to like we said, five or less hours a week on this business. And mm -hmm. with, I mean, let's just put it in perspective. I'm gonna pull my calculator here because I don't wanna do the math. If we're working five hours a week, that's 20 hours a month. If we're making 81.44 gross, that's not net because we still have cleaning fees and uh, rent to pay and bills like that. That's $407 an hour. So let's just say net, I'm gonna do some quick calculations uh what did i say 20 hours i mean you can compare it to a w2 because you're bet you're paid let's just say 25 an hour gross yeah <laughs> okay well i just did the net math and it's 259 dollars and 70 cents an hour that we're basically paid obviously we split that but even split that that's 130 dollars an hour that's not, that's bad. not bad not so, bad at all this course is definitely for someone who has been interested in Airbnb and who is tired of their nine to five, wants to spend more time with their family, their wives, their kids, or traveling, whatever. You hate your job, or maybe you like your job, but you just want to work from home. You know, this, this has been our way to replace our income. Or so. you can, even, even if you still want to work your W-2, it'll be an additional income to do whatever you want, more savings or vacation. True. Um, yeah, you don't even have to leave your job to do this. I mean, we do everything from our phone. I, we've only, well, Christian has met a few guests. We've been doing this collectively since November 2019. Just last week was the first time I've ever met a guest in person. So Christian has met what, because you've had to break up some parties, you've, had, you've met what, maybe three or four guests? I've met a, a couple just stopping by and they were there at the same time I was and then for one party that I had to break up. Yeah, so the, the hours that you spend, I mean, even if you have a nine to five, you can, you can do stuff outside of your nine to five and keep your job if you like it. And then like you were saying, make that additional income. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, I think of hearts on MF, best ever bnb.com totally worth your money. Um, and then like I, like I was saying earlier, once we launch this thing and kind of get it going, we're going to invest our time into an automation course that will literally change your business. It's going to be good. So anyway, I know the past couple episodes, we, we had a guest interview, which is awesome. And we kind of talked about some random stuff. I really feel like <laughs> the book that we're going to talk about just goes kind of back to mindset. And I think that's, I think you and I were talking about that last week. This is yeah, it covers some mindset and also kind of um, goes against a lot of the ideas that a lot of books that are out there about wealth building 
uh, talk about. Um, it talks about a lot of people say that um, get rich quick is not a thing. And this book kind of unveils what it takes to go along that path. Um, now, get rich easy is not a thing. A lot of people want get rich easy and it's never going to be easy. Uh, some days you might have you find yourself putting in extra work, more work than you're probably used to, but it's uh, required to get there fast. So, And so uh, I guess before we dive in, we should probably tell y'all what book we're talking about. It's called The Millionaire Fast Lane. I can't see the subtitle because my phone hit it, but the guy's name is MJ DeMarco. It's on Audible. That's how we're listening to it. I'm sure it's in book form too. I think the subtitle is The Code to Wealth and Live Rich for a Life. I can't see. It's not right. It's a crack, crack the Code to Wealth and Live Rich for a Lifetime. So this book is uh, forewarning for my uh, friends out there who don't like language. It has some offensive stuff in there. So if you get offended easily, maybe don't listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> he's just, he's very brash, uh, but it gets, I mean, it is what it is. You can weed that out. The book has so much value to it uh, that I mean I'm literally every chance I get to listen to I listen to it and I don't do that with most books some books I just listen to in the car but this one like I'll listen to any chance I get to plug in my headphones where I'm not taking away time from family or stuff like that you want to I guess get into how you found it talk a little bit about it first uh yeah sure I mean um, I truly believe that uh reading is very important um I mean, he even talks about in the book, he tries to read one book a week. That's pretty aggressive. But, uh, you know, even if you're one book a month, you're going to, it's going to really benefit you. So I had been looking for a book to a new book to read or listen to. And um, I have a whole book list of things I want to read and I check off once I read. And I believe that one was on there. So decided to go to Audible, download it. At first I was like, Man, 15 hours, that's a long book. But uh, yeah, I um, yeah, went ahead and downloaded it and just started listening to it when I could. And it just, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a refreshing book because a lot of the books um, in the past, like uh, The Millionaire, Millionaire Next Door, mm-hmm. um, even Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, and a couple other ones have some, tech, have some um, philosophies of, uh, just more so a long road to wealth. Um, And this book is just totally against all that. So it's kind of refreshing to read a book like that. So yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I came about it. Yeah, yeah. I guess I won't get into the specifics of that one, but he started talking about Rich Dad, Poor Dad and kind of, um, I mean, that's the book that we talk about all the time, so. Yeah, I mean, it's still a good book. And and I mean, not, not all, regardless of what books uh, are some uh, authors don't necessarily uh, um, I don't know not not agree with but that some some will point it out or criticize doesn't mean it's not a good book there's tons of value. that book definitely got me on the map for anything uh, so I I owe my you know some of the success that I've had to that book so yeah here. but it's always good to, to read stuff with different perspectives to really challenge yourself and your business and 
kind of see just, just getting a new perspective is always good. Mm -hmm. So in this book, um, I'm kind of cheating and reading some spark notes since I have my own notes. So there's basically three lessons that he teaches. Um, we can talk about the first lesson. It's wealth stands for three things and none of which is money. So he says wealth includes three things, meaningful relationships with friends and family, being healthy and physically fit, and number three, freedom. And number three, though, is where money comes in. Yeah, so freedom, number three, freedom. Um, I don't know if this is exactly in this, maybe this section, but it, I think it ties into it because my notes are just kind of sporadic throughout the audio. But he, he says a quote, um, that man, it really got me thinking. It reminded me of a movie. So the quote is, a job seals your fate into a criminal time trade. Five days of life for two days of freedom. Let me say it again. A job seals your fate into a criminal time trade. Five days of your life for two days of freedom. So you work Monday through Friday to only get Saturday and Sunday off. And that's how a lot of people live their entire lives. So it reminded me of a movie called In Time with Justin Timberlake and I can't remember the other gal's name, uh, but it's this movie where people stop aging at 25. And then instead of using currency to purchase goods or purchase anything, they have this clock on their wrists where they trade time for what they need. So if they only have, say, I don't know, a thousand hours on their clock, they might trade five hours of their time for a loaf of bread. So each time that they trade something, the clock counts down how long they have to live. So if they go from, you know, obviously a thousand hours and they trade five hours for a loaf of bread and they only have 995 hours left to live. So each purchase shortens their lifespan. Pretty drastic, like, I don't think that at all. Obviously that can never happen because of genetics and that's just crazy science. But when you think about it though, think about like, what is your time worth? I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like for me, I have a dollar amount that I feel my time is worth. And even then that dollar amount is pretty high. And I feel like I am, that's not enough because if I have to give up, say, I don't know, five hours of my time to only make, let's just say a thousand bucks, but I'm taking away that time from my family or my kids. My kids are only three and one. Like, is it really worth it? Like in the grand scheme of things. So think about when you're only, you're working that, and I get everyone has to have a job at some point. We, I mean, I've had many jobs before I started working myself three and a half years ago. But think about what you're worth and think about like, is your time really worth, you know, 12 to 20, $25 an hour, you know, that you're, you're working somewhere. And so you're essentially like, here's a good example. If you're working a nine to five job, again, it's okay if you totally, if you are, but if you're trading, let's just say you only make $12 an hour. And you're going out and spending, I don't know, for easy math, let's just say $24 going out to eat. You've just given up two hours of your life for that dinner. I mean, that's, it's, it's pretty drastic, but it's, I mean, it's pretty real, right? You've given up two hours of your life for a dinner. Or let's just say you go get a Starbucks coffee for basically six bucks. You just gave up 30 minutes of your life for a coffee. Um, we'll kind of talk a little bit more in a second about like where all this comes into play and how you can, uh, I guess why that's important, but, um, that's what really has, I guess, become my like defining 
reason to do what I do and to work for myself and to try to make, I'm not, I don't know, to try to make a crazy amount of money is so that I don't have to trade my time for money where I can do, have investments that make money for me while I'm sleeping in my bed or playing with my kids or whatever, you know, like, and one of those things has been through Airbnb. Another thing that I really liked about this book um, was a, a few things. So first of all, he talks about um, processes versus events. So a lot of people get so caught up in the event and, uh, and not the process, you know, they see events are what they see in society, you know, the people with the, exotic cars or uh you know the big houses those are events and that's all they see but and they're so focused on that and that's kind of like it ties into the instant gratification so that's all they're seeking but they can't a lot of them are not able to um get the process down because it, it definitely requires process and it's just it it's it's uh it's, it takes time you know it, it takes consistency it's not just uh, you know, one event and then that's it. it. It takes years of consistency to to be able to build, to get to where, uh, you know, where you see a lot of these people at. Um, and another thing he really uh, harps on is to think like a producer, not like a consumer. So, you know, since childhood, you know, we're kind of taught to be consumers and, uh, you know, you're, you're exposed to constant, uh, advertisements and media and um, uh, just a constant desire for products but you got to start thinking like a producer instead if you want to build your wealth so instead of you know uh, borrowing money lend it instead of taking a class give a class right if, if you look if you look at the world like as a producer does you're gonna see a lot of information about marketing and product design and you understand what features you know make a product successful and strategies to sell it so that that'll help you that right there is being a producer it, it's producing a product you got to start thinking like that you got to get rid of the consumer ways and adopt producer ways um, and another great thing that i really that really stuck out was so many people are stuck wanting to start a business doing what they love uh, or what they have a passion for there's a big problem with this because so many people, all the things that people have a passion for and not trying to be mean, they, they kind of suck at it. And uh, you just can't, title. yeah, you, you can't, that's not going to, that's not going to uh, bring success to you. So what he says is build a business on market need, not your passion, market need, because a lot of times, yeah, yeah. 90% of businesses that go out of business in the first five years, a lot of them created the business on their passion and there was no market need for their passion to begin with. Um, so find the market need, create a business systems and processes off of that market need. And then you can use that, uh, the income from that to fund your passion, whatever, with, with, whether it's basket weaving or whatever, whatever you like to do allow the system to fund your passion, not the other way around. So once you take the dollar amount out of the passion and, and, and just have the system fund it, you're good. So uh, that's one of the things he 
he uh, talks about, and, and it's really good. I think a lot of people kind of just want to seek that business that's their passion. Yeah, and he, I was just listening to it on the way here. He says, um, one of the things that you can do is if, if you're racking your brain trying to think, okay, what are the pain points people feel? Well, if you went through, let's just say, um, I don't know, I'm just going to be totally random. If you went through a drive-thru and you're like, man, that cat process, or that, my, my experience sucked. Or I rented this U-Haul and, and this part sucked, or I didn't like this. Like, okay, what can you do to fix that? Like, what can you do to make that process better? Or what are pain points that people are feeling? Like, I mean, there's just some examples. So what he is saying is you can, you literally have ideas at your fingertips everywhere you go. When you go to the grocery store and you didn't like their checkout process or their online purchasing process or um, any, literally anything that you do, some, the way to get ideas is if you didn't like it, okay, how can you improve on it? Because one of the things he was saying at the end of the book, uh, I, like I said, I'm two hours left to finish it, is, you know, there's six, seven billion people in the world. So there's a quote in the Bible, there's nothing new under the sun. I don't think there's anything new under the sun. Most stuff has probably been thought of. So a lot of what we do now is just improving on stuff that's already been thought of. So what he said was, MySpace, when it came out, it was revolutionary. You know, it, it was the thing. But then Facebook saw a, a need in that specific marketplace and changed it. And look at them. They're a gazillion dollar, you know, business. Amazon started selling books. And then they saw a need that they could start selling other things online. Now look at them. Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. I think he's worth like 182 billion or something. It's ridiculous. He's even ahead of uh, Bill Gates. Just think of any other companies where, you know, they started out as nothing, but then they realized a need and then they improved on that thing. So that's one way, like if you're racking your brain, like what can I do? That's it. I mean, it sounds simple. I mean, even as I think about it, I'm okay, like what could we do that could be something like that? And I'll have to think about it, but well worth the time to think about like what you could do to improve on something that you currently don't like. But what I was trying to say earlier is wealth is the ability to fully experience life. That's where I left off. And then he says the ultimate wealth is having the time to live how you want. So the, the key to a lot of stuff that I think we talk about that we harp on so much about working for yourself or even working your, your nine to five and having a side gig is so that you can live life on your own terms because, and he says this in this book, who wants to work 40 to 60 hours a week for 40 years to then retire maybe at 65 to then live according to life expectancy, nine to 10 more years, and then really live your life. No one wants to do that. That sounds like a terrible existence. So the key is, while you're young, to find something that can truly give you wealth, which in my opinion, wealth is in how much time you have. Obviously, money plays a factor into that because money affords you to do the things that you want to do or provide the lifestyle that you want. But true wealth, I think, is having time to be with your family, to be with your wife, your husband, to um, go to an orphanage that maybe you, you want to help out with or there's a natural disaster that you want to go help out with. Well, if you have a, you know, if you're stuck doing something you don't love, chances are you can't go to that thing as soon as you want. But if you are doing what you love or if, you're, if you've created enough um, income 
to to be able to get up and go when you want, well, then you're really living your life. And that's true freedom. That's just one of the points in this book that, that really stuck out to me. I, I think um, Christian's probably the same. I just talked about it a little bit more. It's just time. You know, I'm, I'm almost 34. My kids are three and one. It feels like yesterday that they were both born. I'm not getting any younger, neither are they. So I'm trying to do literally everything I can to catapult myself into um, enough passive income to where I don't have to worry about things so I can just spend a lot of time with them and see them grow up and not miss these moments. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah. I'm going to harp on this time thing. I got one more, one more quote that just, just gets me. How many of you know people who will spend five hours a week clipping coupons to save terrible 50 cents on a gallon of milk or who will drive 30 miles to go pick up let's just say let's just say you're looking for a coffee table which is the first thing i thought of. we're here in fort worth and there's a coffee table in mckinney for 40 bucks but there's a coffee table for sale in dallas for 60 bucks so from dallas to mckinney is like an additional what 30 45 minutes or so it's 45 minutes to mckinney yeah yeah, from Dallas. There are people who would spend 45 minutes. So I guess that's an hour, an hour and a half round trip to save 20 bucks. Like, what is your time worth? So he, so in this book, he calls them inconvenient savers. Inconvenient savers waste time to save money. So he, he I don't remember what analogy he used, but he, he says, is driving 30 minutes to an hour away to save a few dollars really worth your time? If it takes two hours plus gas, did you really save money? So that's just another thing like you got to, that I was talking about earlier, you got to determine what your, what your time is worth. You know, if you could save 20 bucks by driving an hour and a half out of your way, or if you could take that hour and a half and spend it on something researching, you know, like we were talking about earlier, something that you're going to change or some product that you're going to offer or, um, learning about the business that you want to launch. You know, I think you should give up the $20 to spend that time on being productive on the things that you feel are going to make you the most amount of money. Yeah. And one of the things, um, while you're thinking about business, there are five things you need to think about uh, as you come up with your business idea. Uh, these five things will allow you, because uh, there are businesses out there that, uh, are still jobs. It's still, it's still a job. So even though you don't work for a, uh, as for an employer and maybe, uh, you are, uh, the employer now and with employees, there are businesses that are still jobs. So that's something to consider. And the reason for that is because that business that whoever, uh, launched was missing a few of the five things. Uh, these five things are, uh, commandment, of need, commandment of entry, control, scale, and time. And I'm going to go over uh, those five things here in a second. But as you, as if you're wanting to get into business, and um, you know you, you, you're thinking of ideas, think about whether these business ideas, you know, whether they include these five things. So, as I mentioned before, you know, never start a business just because you want to earn more money. Uh, doing so, is, it's a uh, more so of a selfish desire. 
you need to start a business because you need to satisfy a need, kind of what Vince was talking about earlier, and to solve a problem. As a business owner, you are already a uh, solution. You're, you know, you're a problem solver, or you should be. Um, and if you're not, you need to adapt that. You know, everything you think about, uh, think about it as in how can you provide a solution for that? Because people are not going to pay you for your passion. They're they're going to pay you for a solution. They don't care about your passion or that you want to make a bunch of money. They care that you can solve a problem. So the commandment of need is the first thing that you need to think about as you are entering the business space. Uh, another thing you need to think about is the commandment of entry. Now, what is this? Uh, this is how hard it is to enter whatever business. So for example, um, if you are aware of um, uh, what mar network marketing, like Cincy and all that stuff. Um, now the owners of, of those network marketing companies are quote unquote fast lane wealth um, builders. Um, but if, if you just have to take a 10 minute course to get into the business, chances are that business uh, or whatever you're doing is likely saturated. Um, you know, otherwise if, and even if, you do violate this commandment. You must be extremely exceptional at what you do. Um, like blogging. There are so many bloggers out there. Uh, you know, back in, back in a couple years ago when blogging first came out, it, it was a lot easier. You know, a, a lot of the bloggers you see today that have a million subscribers or whatever came in a few, four or five years ago when it wasn't as saturated. And now you see that they've blown up and there's, now it's so much saturation. So it may not be a good business model unless you be, can become exceptional at it. Only you know whether you can be exceptional at it. So if it's easy to enter your business uh, and everyone can do it, it chances are you're going to have a harder time with that. True. I think there's a, a, a small asterisk to that is kind of like what you were talking about blogging. When people first, when blogging was a huge thing, there are some like early adopters, like in blogging and in YouTube who those early adopters are now gazillions of subscribers, like you were saying, and they're, they're crushing it. Now there are some companies that you can be a part of now. My wife's actually part of one that sells healthy makeup. She was a, what I would call an early adopter because they, they have numbers assigned to them as far as like what number you are as far as like an advocate and her number is pretty low. And so now that she has a couple people uh, with her, their numbers are much higher than hers. So I would consider her an early adopter. So if she keeps continuing doing what she's doing, I think she's going to crush it. Now, a year or two from now, when people maybe join that company, then it's going to be like what you said, it's going to be saturated. But I think because she's an early adopter and a lot of, like a lot of these guys, like there's uh, this guy on YouTube, his name is Marcus. He reviews tech stuff. He was an early adopter, like as a kid. Now he's in his early 20s and he has, I think he has like the third most subscribers on YouTube and he's crushing it. So what you were saying, yeah, all true. Uh, the one thing though is if you can be an early adopter, you're kind of an anomaly. So, um, so next would be the commandment of control. Uh, so in the fast lane, you know, uh, any fast lane business will give you full control. Okay. So uh, for example, instead of buying franchises, you know, sell them, um, you know, offer affiliate programs and not using them, accepting rent and royalties, 
not paying them and so on. So that's going to having control is going to be the fastest way to, to build your wealth. Uh, four is the commandment of scale. Uh, this is pretty important because as I progress in my business, I often think about economies of scale. And for example, owning 50 single family rental houses in 30 years, although within 30, at that 30 year mark, you're probably going to be pretty well off. I do not want to wait 30 years. So, you know, thinking about, instead of thinking about, you know, uh, your community and city, you know, once you start thinking about uh, state, region, national, international, the, the larger your business can scale, the more you can earn. Um, one of the things I think about here is, and he talks about in the book, if you think about uh, NBA athletes or MLB, the top athletes, think about, you know, JK Rowling um, and just these big businesses like Adidas or stuff like that. Uh, what do they all have in common? Uh, they provide, or they entertain for millions. They provide for millions, have millions of books, millions of products. Um, and so because of that, because, because they serve millions, uh, the income follows with that. So does your business have scale to it? Can you provide for millions? And if your business can't, if you, if your business can only provide for, you know, 20 people a week, uh, you might have a harder time scaling that business. Um, and then the last thing is, is time. So just like we talked about earlier, being able to automate your business. And if you can ask yourself, asking yourself if you can have the business running without spending much of your own time and effort on it, uh, you know, that, that's a business that's going to uh, go far. So tons of ideas out there, tons of, tons of untapped potential when opening a business. Um, you know, the internet has been one of the most, the, fa- the biggest thing that people have been able to become wealthy is on some type of internet business, such as, you know, lead generations, social networks, advertising, e-commerce, subscription, and content-based online businesses. And then of course you got like innovation, which uh, as Vince said, you don't have to, most of the time today, uh, things that come out today are because the product was made better, not because it was a brand new product. So you don't always have to think about what hasn't been invented, but what you can make better. Um, And then of course, iteration, which is essentially taking, uh, buying franchises and renting out real estate as examples. The way for iteration to grow is, you know, to buy multiple franchises or multiple houses or whatever. So just these are some of the things to think about as you are thinking about your business and or launching a business. Yeah, it's um, it's a good book. I mean, it definitely <laughs> it goes against some of the things that um, some of the early books that we've read. I still think that all of those books that we've recommended have crazy valuable content in them, and I think you can. Take what you want from each one of them. I mean, the ones that you've talked about are Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Secrets of a Millionaire Mind, and The Millionaire Next Door. And now the one that we've talked about this entire podcast is The Millionaire Fastlane. There's all four of them have a lot of good stuff that you can take from and can really get you to where you are. I think what we're trying to harp on is um, do as fast as you can because life is short. And time is just something uh, 
I think I have on our bio on our course, you know, there's, there's so many commodities that you can replace money. You can replace, if you lose money, you can replace it. If you lose your house, you can replace it. If you lose your car, you can replace it. But time is the one thing that we can never replace. So I think it's in our best interest to steward our time as best as we can to use it as most effectively as we can so that it can produce the results that are going to give us more of it. Not that we can get more of it, but it allows us to break away from the things that take away our time. That's all. I think that's all we're trying to say here is be a good steward of your time. One of the things that this book talks about too is not being a, you talked about it, is not being a consumer, but being a producer. So a lot of consumers or people we've talked about before who instead of reading a book that could crazy advance them into what they're passionate about, they would rather watch The Office for the seventh time through. You know, like what, I love The Office. One of the funniest TV shows, maybe second to Home Improvement. I'm just an old dude who still lives in the 90s. Um, but like, what is, what is watching the office reruns going to do for you? You could spend, you could spend 14 hours listening to a book that can literally change your life and change the trajectory of your life. Or you can spend 14 hours watching 28 episodes of the office. I hope that you would pick the book. That's all we're trying to say. Because the watching the office is not going to make you money. You know, think I don't think it. a majority of a majority of Americans uh, don't choose the book. Unfortunately, they don't. Uh, I'm gonna say like, come on, for yourself, for your wife, for your kids, for your future generations, for the legacy that you're gonna live. Choose the freaking book. Sorry, I'm getting very true. I'm getting hostile, but you know what we. Uh, I uh, I think there's a lot of great people out there who are doing a lot of crazy great things. Uh, unfortunately, there are some people who are lazy and want everything handed to them. And I'm just telling you, that's not how life is. And stop. Another thing that the book says is stop saying that one day I'll do this. What if that one day never comes? Think about all the people that we've lost this year. I mean, obviously, the things that come to mind are celebrities because that's what everybody's aware of. But like uh, someone from our, my old church back in high school, their dad passed away this year. I mean, uh, and I've had friends who have lost close people to them. Like life is so short and you don't know if you're going to have tomorrow. So if you think someday is going to come, what if it doesn't come? Yeah. Then you, then you wasted all that time that you could have been using to leave a legacy for your kids. Cause for me, like, it's not about me anymore. Like, sure. I want to be wealthy. I'm not gonna lie. I want to be wealthy for other reasons, as far as like what my wife and I want to do. But I also, like, if I were to pass away, let's just say tomorrow, I think our kids and my wife would be well taken care of because of what I've put in place. Obviously, I have life insurance policy that would help them a good bit, but the things that I've been doing for the past three and a half years wouldn't leave them in a place where my wife would have to go get a job. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm working hard to take care of them for when that time comes when I'm no longer here. Um, it's something hard to think about, but I don't think people realize how short life is. You know, yeah, waiting. Go ahead. What were you going to say? I'm just saying we're not promised tomorrow. So stop saying yeah. I'll, do it. I'll, I'll do it one day or I'll do it this time. Just stop. Why not now? There's no greater yeah. time than right now. 
waiting empowers mediocrity. Um, I think people, you know, wait for the perfect this and that, but, uh, to, to, to get what they've always wanted. But in reality, you know, perfect, uh, circumstances and scenarios don't exist. And, and if you do have a, that crazy chance that it does, everything else after that won't happen to how you think it will. You know, one of my favorite quotes is good things don't happen to those who wait, but those who go out and get it. And that's just, that's it. I mean, not that I support these people, but think about, think about, these are just the people that come to mind. Think about Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. Uh, I do like Steve Jobs. These are the three people who we all know, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, who they didn't wait. You know, they, they spent countless hours pursuing what they felt was going to be life-changing and what they were passionate about, but they were fulfilling a need. Again, that's, that's key here, fulfilling a need or a pain point, but they went after it. Imagine if Steve Jobs would have been like, I'll get to it one day. I'll launch Apple one day. What if one day would have never come? We wouldn't have the iPhone. We wouldn't have the iPod. We wouldn't have the iPad, the MacBook Pro. We wouldn't have the Apple ecosystem that uh, people can't get away from. That even I'm having a hard time getting away from with my new Dell that I have, you know, like, uh, or all the things that Apple's been able to do as far as like um, accessibility for people with, you know, special needs or the programs that they've been able to create, like all the life-changing things that um, they've been able to do, they wouldn't be here because they decided that oh, I'll do it one day. You know, like the world is waiting for you to do the thing that you're called to do that, that's inside of you. And the world needs you to do it today, not tomorrow. That's all I have to say. Just do it. Just do it. Like Nike. Yeah. Another company. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be careful to not mix my, my views in this podcast. But they, I'm sure they yeah. can. We'll, we'll leave our, our political views out of it. But uh, either way, I mean, uh, the the concepts of, of growth and scale through business is what we focus on and that the people who did build these companies uh, just did it today and not, and not wait, not wait around. So yeah, that's key. That's the key right there. Yeah. Maybe you want to live, you want to give your kids things that you didn't have. I still think that your kids should do chores and they should learn to be responsible, things like that. My personal opinion, but maybe you want to give them a better life than they had. Well, if they're three and one like mine, I can't wait 10 years to do that because they're already going to have certain things set in stone for them, certain beliefs and things that they live by. So if I do it now while they're young, it's going to totally change the way that they perceive life. Yeah, I'm just saying it again. Don't wait. You're not promised tomorrow. So don't put off what, don't put off tomorrow what you can do today. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you made it this far, you're a champ. Sorry, it's taken us a couple months to finish or to uh, pick back up. One more shameless plug for our course, the Best Ever BNB course. You can go to besteverbnb.com. Uh, check it out, see what you think. And if you think that this is something you want to do and it could change your life, hit that buy button and uh, let us know if you have any questions. Uh, we're both on social media, happy to, to help you out. And, um, you know, help you succeed kind of like we are. My Instagram is the Vince Russell. Christian's is a little different, so I'm gonna let you say it. Uh, Christian.anthony1, I believe. Yes. 
That's yes. why I didn't say it. <laughs> I didn't want to butcher it. So uh, yeah, hit us up. We're both we're both I think fairly busy, even though we don't work uh, your typical hours. We we still have a lot going on. So if we don't get to you right away, please don't be offended. We'll get to you as soon as we can. Until next time, get out there and freaking do it. Get out there and do it. Take action. This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth.